0: Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now, on to the show. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Men Walking. I'm your host, Greg. And to my left, I have Jason. Jason, how are you, sir? What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Doing awesome. Yeah, you have a good week? Had an awesome
1: week. I turned 40. Woo! Woo! Happy birthday, brother. Woke up with arthritis and a bad
0: back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Got dad jokes. All the time, all day, yeah, every day. Right. <laughs> so the big 4
1: Dude, it was awesome. Yeah, I had some good times with some friends and hung up I with was the wife and, Yeah, you were there one night. I and was there. We went all seven days of the week, baby. Oh, you did multi-night. Yeah, man, I just went after it. Wait a minute. No, so, I'm just joking. I, so I didn't at all. I was in so, bed at 8 o'clock. I'm so not even going to lie So right you right went now. all week and your yeah. co-host was yeah, only yeah.
0: invited to one <laughs> yeah, night right. of the party? Hey, man, I like you, but, you
1: know. <laughs> no,
0: but only for one night a week. You can take me one time a week that's it <laughs> two hey tonight you know, man most we're, people we're on this podcast baby. most people tell me that <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh well I'm excited tonight because yeah. we have uh, some guys on the podcast that I'm excited to have on yeah you know we yep. so here's what happened we had someone uh, we posted a, um, a an audio clip of uh, Abby Johnson mm-hmm. I believe it was she'd mm-hmm. been on the podcast I don't know three four weeks ago and uh, someone who's a friend of mine on Instagram tagged me and then tagged these guys mm-hmm. Um, the Liberator podcast from Free the States. And they said, hey, what do you think about this kind of one of these things? And actually, the guy who tagged me said, hey, I used to be in the pro-life movement, but not after I really got into it and looked at it. I'm an abolitionist. I went, well, I... I know what I think. I know what an abolitionist yeah. is. I've yeah. heard that word, right? Yeah. I was homeschooled. Uh-huh. We were yes, talking were. about that stuff at home. Yeah,
1: you know the we, important I, stuff. They didn't send you me, were talking about the important. They didn't send stuff. me I was to Rome. public school.
0: My kids didn't send my uh, mom and dad didn't send me to Rome. All right, yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I started listening to these guys' podcasts. I started uh, checking out their website, and I realized, yeah, I think. I think that's the name for me. I mm-hmm. just have never called myself that, right? Uh, you know, because obviously we have Luke Pearson on from Red State yeah. Reform. We've had Durbin on, Jeff Durbin mm-hmm. from Apology Radio. Those guys, Marcus
1: Pittman, Marcus yeah. Pittman, and yeah. all the end abortion. The now, guys. and we
0: go, yeah. wow, we really line up with them yep. for what they're doing. Uh, I, you know, we we put uh, Luke in contact with our leaders here yep. in Lansing at the Capitol for some of the stuff he does.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I thought we should have these guys on uh, and just have, uh, you know. Some bros sitting around talking about a really serious subject, which I think what is uh, podcasting is all about. So I'm excited to have them on. I we have on James, Sam, T. Russell Hunter from Liberator Podcast, fellas. How are you guys doing? Great, yeah.
1: Thanks for having us. All (laughs) right.
0: I'll tell you what. Give us a little two to three minute intro of what you guys do. Then we're going to jump into some newsy news, uh, and then after that, we'll get into the meat of the podcast.
3: Yeah. So we are Free the states. We are, uh, especially we're a lobbying organization. So we go up to the Capitol and we deliver. Memos, and we show up to committee hearings and all that stuff, and do all the all the stuff that lobbyists do. Uh, but I would say, like the main, our main objective really is waking up the church. So everything we do, whether it's podcasting, articles, showing up to hearings, and live streaming or whatever, it's all about um, helping the church see that this is an issue the church should be dealing with, and that they should be dealing with it in a way that conforms to the way that God's Word instructs us um, to to remove evils from society. Um, and so, yeah, so our project is is abolishing abortion is encouraging the church to uh, take her rightful place on the front lines of the battle to abolish abortion and uh, to do so in a way that is honoring to God and and his word.
4: And the reason that we are focused on the church, even though we're a legislative lobbying organization, because we're abolitionists, and as abolitionists, we believe that uh, the gospel is the answer to the abortion holocaust. And that goes for the answer for individuals uh, facing the temptation of abortion, but it's also the answer for communities, culture, state. the reason we're called free the states, you're like, what? Well, okay, why are you called free the states? Uh, um, our belief is generally that the states in the United States of America possess sovereignty to criminalize abortion within their borders, and if they're not allowed to abolish abortion within their borders, they're not free. So um, the idea would be to free their free the states one by one from their participation in the abortion holocaust, and that requires yes, legislation, the enforcement of that legislation, but. Because this is the United States of America, and it's the we the people sort of thing, we have to lobby the culture, lobby the people to support abolition so that a state can sort of extricate themselves from uh, being a part of this uh, massive.
0: Okay. Awesome. And yeah. we're going to get into a little bit about uh, the definition of an abolitionist and things like that. But first, we just want to get into two quick news stories that we came across this week. Jason, what do you think? A little newsy news? Yeah, yeah let's we'll do some news. Let's news. do it. News, the news, the news, the news, hmm. the news, the
1: news, the news, the news, the news, the news, news, We got news! Beautiful. I, I, just... I was just dancing like Mick Jagger. Sorry. Oh, oh beautiful. Um, uh, anyway. So what okay. do we got? here we go. There, So, Greg, I didn't know if you knew about this, but Arizona Education Department encourages talking to babies about racism. Oh, babies? Yeah, babies now. Says three-month-olds... Can be racist. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Wait a minute. What? Yeah. So check this out. The Arizona department of education has purportedly created an equity toolkit that teaches parents how children as young as three months can develop racial bias and encourages parents and teachers to talk to young children about race. And uh, yeah, so here we are, uh, 2021. <laughs> you know what I say I to mean, that? Three months, three months old. Yeah. <laughs> <Shut up! laughs> Shut up! No, kidding.
0: No, that's not the Christian response. How dare we? <laughs> I
1: mean, this is yeah. This, this is, is getting, getting
0: insane. Insane. I know when we insane uh, when we went over uh, White Fragility, the book by Gosh, I already forgot. It it like it. that
5: total depravity.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talk about total depravity. Absolutely, brothers. Because I mean, here I mean, such an agenda being pushed down people's throats, Absolutely. and not only that, but the total depravity, like uh, like James just said. Uh, I mean, we're saying three three months three old, three months old. Yeah, to talk about racism. I
1: ha- I have a baby. Yeah. And uh yeah, she um uh, she's a very nice little very nice little girl. She's a very nice little yeah. little baby. Absolutely. And uh yeah, there's there's nothing inside of her that is anything like that
0: whatsoever. Yeah. Now I absolutely <laughs> now look at I'm not saying we're not depraved from the minute we're born. Right, right. Okay? Exactly. Okay? Yeah, but the yeah, fact yeah. that agreed, they, agreed. here's the thing. Here's the thing. That they they want you know, the the Black Lives Movement, the cultural Marxists, the um you know, the the equal for all, mm-hmm. not in stature, but you know, in uh playing field and all that. That is an agenda that they're trying to get from birth. Yeah. I mean that really is. Yeah. It's the same thing with public schools to indoctrinate from birth and how can you even talk to a three month old about? I,
1: I have no idea. I but mean, they have a toolkit. They have a toolkit, so you we like, might need to get one of those. Like, and you don't see like what vanilla
0: ice cream, only yeah, yeah. chocolate ice cream. <laughs> no.
1: All right. What yeah, else we, we got? Okay. So uh, after this, we have a this this <laughs> this story is one of confusion. Uh, from the get. So this is going to lead us into our discussion, I'm Tell sure. me we
0: were talking about earlier. It's yeah.
1: Just the- so uh, evangelicals for Biden.
0: Hey, <laughs> we talked about these guys over <laughs> yes, the summer. We, we read their letter.
1: We did. I think we hammered on them pretty so, hard. Yeah. So they feel used and betrayed Aww. by Biden fulfilling his radical abortion promises. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: Oh, is, oh! did Biden betray you?
1: Dude, I, I tell you what, man.
0: Orange man was so bad, we had yeah. to vote for Biden. We,
1: we, can't, we can't have mean tweets, though, right? No yeah. mean tweets anymore. Right, right. Um, uh, so here we are. Uh, here's part of their letter. Okay. Um, we are very disappointed about the COVID-19 relief package e- exclusion of the Hyde Amendment, mm. a long-standing bipartisan policy that prevents taxpayer funding for abortion. We're even more upset that the Biden administration is supporting this bill. As pro life leaders in the un- evangelical Uh-oh. community, yeah, they, they just said the pro life. Sorry. Our guests just cringed. Our guests just cringed, <laughs> just cringed for sure. <laughs> no, I no, am that, reading. Those are pro-lifers. Those yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah right, right, right. Yeah, so we publicly. Su- earth, yeah. Yeah, right. So they're saying we publicly supported President Biden's candidacy with the understanding that there would be an engagement with us on the issue of abortion. He didn't
0: include us. Oh, man.
1: And particularly the Hyde Amendment. We feel used and betrayed and have no intention of simply watching these kinds of efforts happen from the sidelines. Oh, thank you so much. Oh
0: my gosh. Please, everyone yeah. listening, go back to our podcast And when was it? July? Yeah. I, August yeah. when we talked about this? Exactly. And you and I said the exact same thing. We said, look, it, There's you, you guys are complete <laughs> idiots if you think that <laughs> Biden or that whoever's running that yeah, administration yeah. cares at all at what all. you think about uh, equality or uh, right. the state of Christianhood or yeah. A biblical worldview. The the first minute they get to do what their depraved minds want to do, they're going to do it. Yep. And now, and here we are. They're writing a harshly yeah, written yeah. letter to the president. Yeah. How dare you! I know, James, Sam, T. Russell. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> yeah, kind of a hard one to be shocked by. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the thing is,
4: is that uh, we don't really care about the Hyde Amendment. It's not something that like losing bothers us. We think that it's pretty much weak sauce oh, you know oh. hey the response of the pro-life movement in America and pro-life presidents even whenever they have all the congressional power and the Supreme Court is to defund abortion force overseas I mean it's it's such a weak ineffective thing that you know losing it I'm like well uh, it was it was always this sort of thing that pro-lifers like bandy about during presidential election season like we've got to elect this president so he'll uphold the Hyde Amendment, Well it's like, well, no, we should elect a president who should criminalize abortion. Right. Um, and when these pro-life presidents, you know, campaign as pro-lifers and pass something like the Hyde Amendment, and everyone celebrates them, they're channeling all that energy and support that would go for backing a president who would allow states to uh, criminalize abortion. Instead, they celebrate a president for just upholding the Hyde Amendment. It's so. a mm.
5: very similar issue to the uh, funding issue, because pro-lifers put all, a lot of their effort into getting a national uh, ban on funding for Planned Parenthood. Um, I think that, you know, when we, when we put our effort into that sort of thing, it actually deadens your conscience towards abortion. It makes it so, yes, have a Holocaust, but don't do it with my money. Oh,
2: you know, that's right. sort of
5: what the call turns into. Um, so things like that, protecting the Hyde Amendment or putting all of our effort into trying to get defunding, it makes it something where it becomes very deadening to the souls of our of, a, of the country because we're actually tolerating and participating in the murder of children. We're saying, yes, murder children. Don't do it with our money. Uh, keep it out of the budget, I think. Mm.
4: And congratulating them, actually, as though they've done something good yep. when what they've done is far less than what they ought to do as a at a minimum level as governing authorities. It's like, we we say that we're pro-life and that we believed in the sanctity and dignity of life. So the president can stand up in front of a bunch of March for Life people and say that children are made in, in the image of God and they can all clap the most pro-life president ever. Um, yet the length to which he goes is just to keep his own wallet or the wallets of his people clean. It's like, yeah, something, something screwy here way less than what we want and what we could get if we would stop supporting um, these lesser measures.
3: Mm. And with all that I've said, obviously, that's, you know, that stuff like the Hyde Amendment defunding defunding unfairness isn't at all what we're going for what we're um, – something that we would we would care all that much about. But it is it – is, there is something pretty amazing about, about pro-lifers for Biden being somehow shocked or, or <laughs> pretending to be shocked. I don't, I don't know whether they're actually shocked or if they're just pretending to be shocked Right? because I don't know how anyone –
5: I would have thought they would have
3: been like, yeah. uh,
4: not pro lifers. Like, they would have just been calling themselves evangelicals, but they weren't even really evangelicals.
5: <laughs> right.
4: I didn't know the evangelicals for Biden <laughs> were like actually evangelicals. The yeah. Professor
3: of Fuller Seminary, I think, um, which may have been where Greg McCourtney went. Uh, and Greg McCourtney is the guy who uh, uh, killed our bills here
2: in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So,
4: yeah, it's, I mean, sorry for the multi level response. It's just kind of like one of these things where it's like, are we shocked? do we care? Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, we do, but uh, we don't we don't I mean what might be shocking to some of your hearers is, is that um, regardless of whether you have a Republican pro life in the White House or a liberal Democrat, and regardless of the high demand and all that kind of stuff, a million babies are murdered every year in the United States of America, and the stats don't change whether you have a Republican or a Democrat. right Every right. time you vote for a pro-life Republican or a pro-choice Democrat, abortion remains legal. It's just you've got someone with a moral opinion of being pro-life in the White House, but it has no effect
5: on anything. And and part of it, too, is that the the whole philosophy is to get enough Republican presidents, they'll get enough Republican-appointed justices to the Supreme Court, and eventually we'll be able to overturn Wade. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to abolish abortion. The problem is, back in 1992, we had the perfect court setting. We had eight Republican-appointed justices And one pro-life Democrat who was the one who voted against Roe v. Wade in the first place, and now, and even at that point, they doubled down on Roe v. Wade. Um, So the best possible situation that we could have had, using the presidency and using the Supreme Court justices as you know appointees, we still failed. So it's just a it's just a something a carrot that they dangle in front of the pro-lifers. Just to get them to keep voting for them but they have no intention of actually that's
1: isn't uh, isn't roe v Wade just a suggestion I mean it's not really something that the states have to listen to right yeah what's an opinion
3: yeah yeah uh, and we would say that, that anything that is that violates the law of God and the United States Constitution is null and void by its nature right and so any court or legislature or executive anywhere anytime any place in the universe, who says you can murder babies and it's totally legal, we think that's that's null and void by its nature. Yep. And so it's not like the Supreme Court has no role whatsoever, but it is to say that there are limits on their power and if they go outside it and they like invent a right to murder children, that the, the states should be a check, right? So people talk about you know, define the Supreme Court as if it's this crazy radical, you know, thing or these wild people, but they're supposed to be checks and balances. Right. And so all we're all we're calling for is the states to be a check on what is clearly an unconstitutional opinion of the Supreme Court. Um, this sh- sh- should have absolutely no force of law whatsoever. And that was right.
5: the understanding of the founding fathers when they put together the Constitution. It was nullification um, was thought to be a, a natural right of the state uh, to defy when something was in violation of the Constitution. That's why legislators actually swear an oath to uphold the Constitution, not Supreme Court opinion, because everyone is an interpreter. It's not like the Supreme Court is the Pope and we all have to listen to you as an infallible attorney. definitely
1: wouldn't listen to them anyway every
5: single (laughs) person comes to the table and interprets and they have the job of upholding yeah (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah. i mean on the phone we just we have two
4: reasons (laughs) make that ruling States look at it and they go well that's your opinion but here in our state we're going to sell marijuana Uh and they just do it so nullification is something that you know people do um but we don't, we don't see it from pro-life state. Uh, what we see instead is this sort of pro-life industry mechanism getting in the way where it's like, no, 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 we don't nullify the Supreme Court. We use the carrot of nominating Supreme Court justices to elect pro-life president. And then we wait for the Supreme Court to over, overturn Roe or repeal Roe and then give the state permission to abolish abortion. Yeah. And they teach everybody, like Abby Johnson says, that Abolishing abortion at the state level is unconstitutional, um, which is probably where the controversy comes in. No, yeah. it, it, it
0: absolutely isn't. And I would say you guys know if if you've done any type of lobbying, I'm an elected official in my state. I was a legislative liaison uh-huh. at my capital, and I also worked on national campaigns. The pro-life subject is merely used for political gain. Every mm-hmm. single Republican and Democrat, uh, Libertarian, Independent—I haven't—I've met very few elected yeah. officials on national tickets that don't use uh, the subject of abortion and the pro-life movement either for or against to either raise money, punt the ball down the field, uh, move the goalposts yeah. a little bit longer to stay in office a little bit longer. I mean, you guys know how this works. Mm-hmm. I mean, you
4: check the box, get the votes.
0: Get the votes and then go, you know, hey, look at, yeah, I voted this way, but look at, we got uh, Planned Parenthood limited from $500 million to $200 million in funding. Give me a Right to Life A-plus rating because mm-hmm. I did something, uh, you know, good. Yeah. And then it means nothing, though. It means yeah. nothing and, if you're— and,
4: a- I think, and since the advent of abolitionist legislation, these people that, that get 100% pro-life approval ratings from National Rights to Life, Oklahoma's for Life, the subsidiaries, and so on and so forth— not only do the things like defunding or decreasing abortion funds or something like that, they also kill bills of abolition. Mm. They work actively to make sure that states don't assert their sovereignty, don't nullify, don't criminalize abortion, so that instead of that, they can continue to have incremental victories. So you always have all these incremental victories, and that keeps that, like, the, the political thing that you're talking about. Like, it's always there. And if you, if you had a state that really abolished abortion, uh, what would that guy use as his social issue to distinguish himself from the
5: liberal he's running against?
0: Nothing. Yeah. Really nothing and, anymore uh, if you're a Republican or Democrat. No.
5: I think yeah. that's a good tie-in for why abolitionists, um, you because know, we have a bunch of pro-life organizations that have been set up and they fundraise off of uh, supposedly stopping abortion. And so we find it very important that we actually draw that line and change our language to say, no, we are something else. We're not like the pro-life movement. We're not part of the pro-life movement. We are not pro-life. We are abolitionists. Uh, because ultimately, you know, we can't have a, this kind of adversarial type of relationship with the pro-lifers and put ourselves underneath that same camp. Um, we think that we need to shift the paradigm to yeah. no longer be pro-life and to be abolitionists instead yeah. and get the state legislature to understand that. Because they may not like our ideas, but they understand voters. And if we can shift the voters to identifying with abolitionists, and knowing what that means, then the legislators are going to have to change their behavior. We're seeing that now. Uh, we've actually had two, um, two legislators who have been elected completely on abolitionist platforms, and they won with flying colors. It was uh, it was really crushing. Oh, yeah,
3: awesome. As an example of what they were talking about. So there were we had a bunch of abolitionists run for the state legislature here in Oklahoma the last time around, last November, um, and in the primaries last June. And what, what we saw was that National Rights to Life and Oklahomans for Life made a special point of campaigning for the pro-life Republicans who were facing challenges from abolitionists. They knew the abolitionists would support oh, wow.
4: bills to criminalize abortion, yeah. and those bills would inevitably make their defunding bills look weak.
3: Yeah. Huh. And so and so one of the things that they were they were talking about is, you know, they were saying Greg McCourtney is 100% pro-life, and then, you know, not National Rights to Life approved, Oklahomans for Life approved. Um and yeah, so just back to what Sam was saying, you can't like out pro life like national rights life. You know, you've you've got to just kind of draw a line and say, okay, you guys have that. We are abolitionists, and you draw that line of demarcation so that people are able to tell: here are the abolitionist candidates, here are the pro life candidates. Yeah. Here are the abolition bills. Here are the pro life bills. Here's abolition ideas. Pro life ideas. You've got to draw that line so that people know who to pull the lever for when it comes time. So people know who to which which bills to support when it comes time. To support bills and stuff and it's not infighting that's
4: the people always talk about like abolitionists because they were causing infighting it's not infighting <laughs> we're on the opposite side like yeah. the pro-life movement and the pro-choice movement believe that, that whatever the supreme court says is law
5: yeah maybe like, i disagree with them that's
4: the, a different time to so some no.
5: listeners who you know might not be familiar with the uh, with the divide here it might sound a little bit callous of us Me and James are both in the pro-life movement. I was in the pro-life movement for five years. I worked full-time as a Um, pro-lifer. When I became an abolitionist, my former boss uh, told me that he saw abolitionists as the enemy and uh, cancer. And so um, it's very clear what the pro-life movement thinks of abolitionists.
2: Guilty of strike.
5: Um, and then my, my, form, my former colleague, Austin Beigel, he actually got fired from that organization for attending an abolitionist conference. So the animosity, uh, as far as like who's willing to talk, we're willing to talk to them. They're not willing to talk to us. They stopped engaging us because they don't like our ideas. It's not about whether abolitionists are mean or anything like that, That a lot of people say that, um, but they just don't like our ideas. Like James is one of the nicest abolitionists you'll ever be he engages with people, and they just shut down when they hear, oh, you're saying that it's wrong to say that it's okay to kill babies in these circumstances with my legislation? Yeah, that's that's what we believe. We think it's wrong to write legislation that is iniquitous. It is saying to the legislature and to the people, you can kill babies as long as you do A-B. Yeah. We think that's wrong. So we, yeah. I wouldn't say that to someone. And it's even more of a massive platform when I blast that out to everybody by saying, here's a bill that says, how do you
0: kill me? Yeah. Sure. So just to backtrack real quick, and then we'll get into the next question. So everyone, li- for everyone listening, uh, uh, James, Sam, or T. Russell, what is your definition of abolitionist then? What's the simple one or two sentence definition that someone can take away with them?
3: Uh, someone who works for the, the total and immediate abolition of abortion uh, for the glory of Jesus Christ and by the power of his word and spirit. Yeah. Awesome. There you go. And, yep.
4: We're can and, and legislatively speaking, we're just trying to get the laws against murder to be equally applied to all people. So if you say, what is an abolitionist seeking? Not necessarily to reduce abortion numbers by regulation, but to take the laws that are presently against murder for born people and apply them equally to unborn people. So it's
2: yeah. full right.
4: equal treatment under the law, no partiality, nothing that makes any fatherless child pray. And so, yes, that's, uh, yeah, I've, quite a dividing line, actually.
1: I've always wondered about that. I mean, whenever a, a woman that is pregnant um, is shot or killed or whatever, and that's a double homicide, you know, then mm-hmm. when she's pregnant, I yeah. mean, like, what, you know, how, how can that even get through the court system where, you know, that, that's that's what yeah. that is. That is murder right there. <laughs> like, sure. you, you see, yeah. Yeah, yeah, two lives right because, there.
4: Because know? mothers in America have been given the positive right to terminate their babies in the womb.
1: And this is
5: another defining line right here, too, because the pro-life movement and the pro-choice movement both believe that women and men who commit abortion should not be criminalized for that act.
2: They should have immunity.
5: Abolitionists believe in equal protection. So we think that anyone involved in the murder of a child should be punished. Right. Um, And that's because, ultimately, it's because we're not showing partiality towards people who are murdering. So a lot of people will say that's because we're being cruel to women or something like that. But ultimately, the pro-life movement has a very low view of women. They're not looking at them as moral agents who can understand that when they're pregnant, they have a baby inside of them. And ultimately, abortion is the ultimate act, the ultimate anti-gospel act. It is saying, instead of Jesus Christ coming and living and dying for my sins and taking them away from me willingly, it's the baby must die for my sins. And they are the ones who are going to give the ultimate sacrifice. It's you sacrifice for me, and I'm going to force you to do it, Um, not Christ came and sacrificed Himself. So, um, so it totally turns the gospel on its head. And it is really one of the most evil things that could
3: possibly happen. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, as an example of what you were talking about, in here in Oklahoma, uh, like like the state the state murder codes, it says uh, uh, like homicide is the killing of one human being, the intentional killing of one human being by another. This includes an unborn child,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and then that's and that's part part B, and then part C says. Except for illegal abortion. Yeah. So mm. you 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 can't wow. kill a child in any situation, but if, if you're the mother taking a child to an abortionist, then yeah, you can't. and that is that's in
4: the murder codes across the wow. state. Like you basically see no one they're not actually as delusional and stupid as they pretend. They all go, Yes, we know that it's killing a pre born human being in the womb, but Roe v. Wade ruled that within the right of privacy. Mothers have the right to do this. And so abolitionists are like, no, they don't have the right to do this. Preborn children have the right to life.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And nobody in America has a special murder privilege. Yeah, and so yeah. when we write the language or we support bills or projects or ideas, it's specifically to challenge that Correct. Right.
0: Well, there's so much constitutionality going on there too, even if you want to argue within that, obviously we would argue from a biblical worldview as presuppositionalist, but we would also say you can yeah. even, you can even argue uh, constitutionally. You mentioned uh, before T. Russell too, like the w- women have been giving a positive right to murder and it's actually canceling out the negative right. The government has to protect the the pursuit of happiness, the right to life yeah. and all those things mentioned in the general, general welfare clause of the constitution. So you see this weird constitutional thing going on where we, we have people and then even the 14th amendment. Oh my gosh, the state sovereignty, we're, we're all sucking off the federal government's teat. So, you know, these States are, so they give up all these rights and freedoms and instead we can legalize marijuana in multiple States and override a class one federal scheduled drug. Right. Uh We, we don't care for marijuana that the federal government says it's not okay, but for abortion, a lot of these state legislatures say, no, but we can't because we have Roe v. Wade, and I think it goes back. Or Roe v. Wade, I think it goes back to falling back on incremental, you know, wins for the politician. I mean, I work around politicians all day. I, you guys do too. You know how they think, and how is that helping the pro life movement at all? So I would say, as Christ followers, like, how do we? Let, let's say you have a listener right now, and they go, "What are you talking about? I'm in the pro life movement. I'm, I'm on the sidewalk, or I'm at a pregnancy center. I'm trying to help moms. I'm trying to help babies." Who are these abolitionist guys coming in and saying, you know, what I'm doing is wrong? Like, what do you say to them who maybe, I don't want to use the word brainwash, maybe that's a strong word, maybe it isn't, well, well, but but someone who's been in that and goes, well, why should I look at it this indoctrinated. way? Indoctrinated. Indoctrinated. Is there a biblical worldview for abolitionism? Yeah,
4: yeah. So I think that one thing that we do need to state is the regular pro-life person that's just out there, like, they just grew up, they're a Christian, they're trying to love their neighbors as themselves, including the pre-born neighbors, and they've never heard of any of this stuff. They don't really know what the pro-life leaders, lobbyists, politicians, you know, president, they don't know exactly what they believe or what they actually do. They just know it is being sold to them. And so they think that the pro-life establishment is seeking to abolish abortion. Mm -hmm. They like have this thought. Um, So we're not trying to be sort of um, dismissive of people with good Mm -hmm. motives, taking good actions to love their preborn. Neighbors. Now, that being said, a lot of them, because of indoctrination, do kind of hold some of those pro life ideas as they come from top down. So you will run into pro lifers who um, may, after you tell them, hey, what about just treating abortion as murder in defiance of Roe v. Wade and a state asserting their sovereignty and doing that? They'll be like, yeah, I'm on board. But because they've had 40 years of being told the way to do that is electing pro life presidents who appoint Supreme Court justices we do have to sort of correct that stuff. Like, well, no, that's not the way you do it. You can actually challenge Supreme Court rulings. That's the way that anyone does anything to really change anything in this culture, whether you're talking about marriage or marijuana or anything like that. We need to have a much more assertive opinion. Um, But we can usually move the pro-life Christian to abolition by simply saying, okay, here's what we believe. Here's the bills we support. Compare them to the Bible. Tell us whether it's biblical or not. And then here's a pro-life bill that says you can't dismember a baby with forceps, but you can dismember a baby with a suction apparatus, and you can dismember a baby if they were conceived in rape. Hmm. Compare that to the Bible, and tell me whether that's
5: biblical. Yeah, just to get specific here as well, I think you know if you if you were to look at, uh, for instance, Romans one, it talks about the uh, the you know the the man who's been given over to sin. It talks about how not only does he give approval or not only does he murder, but he gives approval to those who murder. Um, we, when we talk about co life legislation, that is the definition of giving approval to murderers. It is saying to them, here is an explicit here's an explicit statement in the law, the thing that's supposed to protect these pre-born babies, how we are going to allow you to murder a child. It's giving approval to a murderer. Mm. And it's, you know, tying your hand on that, it's it's compromising. Yeah. Um, but then beyond that, we're you know we're told that Isaiah, say, uh, both those who decree iniquitous decrees. Um, someone could argue that pro-life bills are less iniquitous than Roe v. Wade, but they can't argue that they're not iniquitous because no. a heartbeat bill only protects babies after they have a beating heart. If the heart is detected by the abortionist. Okay. Right. <laughs> the heart, yeah, no. right. So, yeah. Like totally ineffective on the one hand and then wrong on the other. It's yeah. saying this is not a human being until they have a
3: heartbeat That's, That's wrong. wrong. And yeah. as an example of the consequences of that compromise, I, I was, I was living in Ohio when I was working for the pro-life group there. I met with my state senator. He was a pro-life hero. He was the guy who championed the heartbeat bill there for six or seven years before it finally passed. And I'm meeting with his aide, and I'm telling her, "Hey, here's what an abolition bill looks like. Here's why we need one in Ohio." Um, and at the end of at the end of my little spiel, she she looks at me and she says, "Well, this is all interesting, but it's Senator Brenner's personal religious conviction that life begins at a heartbeat, right now. Where does someone get <laughs> just a crazy and really evil idea like that, right? You you get something no. like that from championing the heartbeat bill for so long." Yeah. That you, you begin to internalize the arguments you're making, and you begin to think that's what makes a human being valuable because that's what I'm, the law I'm putting forward says. That's what makes a human being valuable, and so eventually you begin to internalize and actually believe the compromises that you're that you're defending.
4: You run into the ladies at abortion mills that say, "My baby's not going to feel any pain; it's yeah. not kind of as yeah. bad." And you're like, "Where'd you learn that? Right. They're pro life, right. or whatever."
1: <laughs> what do you guys? uh, I've I ran into this conversation quite a bit just since we've been doing these shows. I mean, I think this is our what fifth or sixth abortion uh, show that we've we've, had a wide range. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've, yeah. Yeah. But I've, I've tended to get answers from people in the Christian community that are just like, Oh, well, if they, even if they uh, abolish it, people are still going to do it. And it's like, like, yeah. what are you talking? Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, well, so we just well, turn our cheek uh, and just let them do it? Like, what do yeah. you say? Well, yeah. Let's not have like, any laws then, right? Right, right I mean, yeah, People
0: yeah, are right, still yeah. going well, so,
1: yeah. yeah. so to murder People are still going to, to Right, yeah, yeah, yeah right, well, yeah, exactly.
5: That's a big part of why our emphasis isn't on reducing abortion numbers. Our emphasis is on justice. Because mm-hmm. that's what God mm-hmm. is interested in. Amen. He's interested in a society that actually punishes evildoers for doing evil. Uh, we, we run into legislators sometimes who will say things like, you know, if Jesus has forgiven a post-abortive women, why, why should we punish them? Well, right. the exact same thing. If, if Jesus has forgiven someone who is a pedophile, yeah. should we punish the pedophile? Right. Yes. Yeah. Right? Because that's the role of government. That's what they're supposed to do. And
4: make no mistake about it. If you criminalize abortion and did establish justice, yes, there would still be people who broke the law, just like there are still right. people who murder born people. But, but it would be far less. Many, many right. less. And, exactly. Yeah. And, and when they did it, there would be the fear of the law. Right. And that tutoring that happens, and the, and the young men and women growing up would, uh, would be hearing over and over and over again, abortion is murder. It's against the law. Yeah. And so they are less likely going to pursue that. Because mm-hmm. um, law does have
5: that positive effect. That's why God instituted the government. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's really interesting about that too is just a quick anecdote. We have some uh, a bunch of friends in Ireland, Northern Ireland. They have a, you know, they had a situation where uh, abortion was criminal act for a long time, huh. and they all had the understanding that abortion was murder. And then all these pro-lifers from America start coming into Ireland, telling them how they need to campaign, and they're telling them things like. Don't call it murder. It was like, they had this understanding because the law was teaching them something. And then they start lobbying for something that's totally not like they start arguing for it in ways that are actually going to kill their movement to abolish. They're going to make it harder for them to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so crazy to me uh, that we, that, the conversation can come to an end so quickly with most Christians when you say, do you believe abortion is murder? They say yes. And then you say, do you believe murder should be criminalized? And they say yes. And then you say, okay, then abortion should be criminalized. And they say no. And you go, where well, did where did about that? Yep. Where where did yeah. I where did we where did I what what train station right. did I leave you at? And it's like you can't yep. be in both camps, right? Like I live in a county in Michigan that is famously named after uh President James Monroe. Well, guess what? He went down in history as an abolitionist, which is a word that you're associated with that was for slavery. Uh, but there was letters to him and Jefferson back and forth to where Jefferson said, look it, you can campaign for partial abolitionism, but you're not really an abolitionist. You can't hold 250 slaves and say, I'm against slavery. You can't say it wouldn't be good for the economy of the United States. And then also try to set up, uh, you know, relocation camps for slaves in Africa. So he kind of tried to have it both ways. And I don't see how yeah. we can have a view as Christians having that view with abortion both ways. So my question to you guys would be, I mean, that seems to be a big hurdle for me when I'm talking to people. How do you guys overcome that when it's just very for me I'm black and white? It's very simple. Is abortion murder? Yes. Does murder of consequences? Yes. But then you have so many Christians that just go, well, no, yeah. you know, the woman, well, victim, well, emotions, wow. feelings. I mean, we had Luke Pearson on, and he just straight yeah. up said, look at the reason why yeah. people don't want to do it. They don't want to call the woman a murderer. And right. I don't want to be crass. I, I, you know, I take the great commandment very seriously. But at the same time, shouldn't we stand up for truth and justice and, and what is right? Yeah, this,
3: this is a really important point. We actually, our most recent podcast episode was with a woman named Sonia Ganella. Yeah, I listened to some of it. that.
0: That was good. I'm halfway through it. Yeah,
3: yeah, no, It was great. and just. see to hear her to hear just like like the freedom that she has to just say I was a murderer like I, I murdered my child mm. but the grace of God was there for me and if you did this the grace of God is also there for you um, and it's, it's really this is one of the things that, uh, that a lot of us have noted and Jeff Durbin talked about at our conference uh, in, in February is he talked about how you're really denying the, these post abortive mothers full access to the gospel when you say you' you're not you're not uh, to blame for what you did. Because if you're a victim of abortion, as the mother who aborted her child, then what do you have to seek forgiveness for? What do you have to seek God's grace for? Now internally, that mother really knows she did something wrong. She knows she's sinned. But you got all these people coming in and saying, "No, you know you're a victim. You're a victim." And so they're not going to—they're not going to have that—that that impulse to go and seek the grace of God. They're not going to actually find true healing, true redemption that, that women like, like Sonia have found. Um, and so it really is just—it's it's telling them they don't need the gospel when they really, really do more than anything else in the world. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it's not even a loving thing, it's a loving thing yeah. in the name of love. It's an evil thing. A yeah.
5: Yeah. Uh, pastor friend of mine, he actually had a, a saying that he would say to other pastors, but it applies to all Christians. He would say that there's two implications for not preaching the gospel, or for not preaching uh, about abortion to post-aborted women. And the, uh, One, they're either going to get the impression that um, their sin is too significant, insignificant to, to mention, or it's so bad that they couldn't be forgiven for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in our own lives, what that is, it's like after you've yeah. confessed it, it's gone. Like you've you put it on the cross, it's right. nailed there, and it's dead. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's no effect it has on you anymore. Um, and so, Sonia, we saw that with her. She was she's a joyful woman. I would recommend you guys, uh, any listeners to this podcast, check out that one. Uh, really good episode on this topic because she speaks to someone who actually, when she was advocating for abolition, she was thinking, I thought that I was going to get punished retroactively yeah. for this. <laughs> and she was it yeah and she's still going out and, and arguing for it but like you, you know as she grew in her understanding she knew that no we're not arguing for a retroactive justice in any way but she was still someone who was willing to take that punishment if they're protecting babies from being murdered
4: awesome yeah. and yes. you will and you will find in the pro-life movement um women who are still laboring they've got like this sort of like workspace um theology and they're like they regret their abortions they think that they were victims they they run around the country talking about their abortion and how they found healing and stuff, but they haven't called it murder. They haven't confessed it. They haven't laid it at the foot of the cross, and so they're still sort of like burdened by it. Sure. And then within the abolitionist movement, you see these women; they were just completely set free, and men. I mean, there are it's, we talk about it like it's just women murdering children, but really, both you go to an abortion mill, you see just as many men. You know, walking sure. them in, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but there's just so many in our culture who need to be told, it sounds harsh, but they need to be told and our nation needs to be told that we are a murderous nation and we are filled with murderers, that our hands are full of blood and we have to repent. And repentance is going the complete opposite direction. And so that whole thing, whenever you remove the call, this is murder, this is sin, we must repent, um, the judgment of God against this is, is great. Um when you remove that whole thing, it just messes up everything legislatively and messes it up,
3: you know, logically, but also leaves all these people dead in their sense. Wow. One of the final how much I don't know how much time we have left so I won't spend too much time on this point, but it is a very important one that we hit. And that is that one of the biggest differences between the the pro life and the abolitionist movements, obviously you've got the incrementalism versus the mediatism, but there's also weird gospel-centered, explicitly Christian. And the reason why, oh, this is another reason, but one of them, like Russ just talked about, repentance is the answer, right? Abortion is sin. Abortion apathy is sin. Uh, and all these things are sin. The answer is repentance. And so these kind of crafty political schemes aren't going to bring about national and individual repentance. Right? This has got to be a gospel-centered thing. And that's something that we will you know, we'll pound the table about. It. It's very, very important that yeah. this is a gospel-centered movement. And the pro-lifers, they want to make it a a big tent movement. So bring in the the atheists, the Hindu pro-lifers, all of them. I'm I'm having a debate. You know, I'm I'm in a pro-life Facebook group. I'm debating with the um, with the one of the moderators of the group, saying, "Hey, you shouldn't allow you know transgender activists to like evangelize for their viewpoint in your pro-life group." And he's like, "Well, I mean, they have a place in the pro-life movement." It's like, (laughs) come on, you're allowing people to say that you know God is a is a queer woman, and you know, that's that's passing into these pro-life Facebook. They have a
4: place oh. in the abolitionist movement if they repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. I mean, it's like, it's not, we're not <laughs> I, saying no. that you can't, yeah. but, but like all can come in who follow Christ. And so seeking, and, and I know we're kind of, we all, you know, you guys are asking like one question that we all kind of no, talk. Oh, we sorry. love it. No, so we work on this great. podcast. But, here. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like interrupt anytime. You, but like, <laughs> I think that one, we're not just beating this because we like, want to be more Christian or more theological or like appeal to that group, these ideas really are the ideas which actually are going to have the right effect. And all the sort of crafty, cunning, let's fight abortion because it hurts women or let's be woke about how we like see that they're second victims and all this kind of stuff that the pro-life movement does to appeal to the world and the world's values, has. they've been attempting this for like four and a half decades, five decades almost, and it has not borne any fruit. Um, And so if we can get the church, by which I mean if we can get the people of God to actually be on board and only unify around calls for justice, we're going we're gonna to see actual ground gain. This isn't just so we can be absolutist and more holy than that are more
5: biblical, or for my instinct a times, and I don't always say this to people, but when they ask me what a biblical argument is for abolitionism, sometimes I just want to say, "But oh, look at every prophet in the Old Testament ever." Because um, when we're talking about it being about repentance, what the prophets did was they brought before a people, a nation, their sin, and they were either killed or the people repented. Like that was; those were the things that happened to the prophets. Like in the right. case of Jonah, the people repented. In the case of so many other prophets, they just straight murdered them. Um, and so our role as Christians is to be that prophetic witness to the legislature to tell them they are sinning, they are in the wrong, and they have the responsibility to uphold the Constitution, to abolish abortion, and to establish justice for their people and neighbors because they are not loving them what they're loving them.
0: I would say too, guys, as we wrap up here, I think it's so important to take such a truthful and hard stand for justice. I know over the last two years, I've been frustrated with some of those in the pro-life movement in and industry within churches that are adopting this very kind of woke Christianity, progressive, kind of soup to nuts pro-life. Like, you can't be... I mean, it's it's already co-opting the whole movement, which saying you can't be pro-life if you're also not pro-life for someone who's in poverty, or, you know, you have to believe in welfare, and you have to believe in all these governmental yeah. aids, right? This is happening for the you guys probably know better than I do how long, but in my area, at least two to three years, I've seen it kind of starting to take shape to where probably in 10, 15 years, maybe less than that, how fast things are moving, you're going to see the pro-life movement kind of be this machine of um, of this progressive kind of yeah. uh, you know theology of governmental support from being able to murder the child in the womb, but if it is born, yes. indoctrination through schools, through welfare, through money programs, yes. through social programs, and yes. it's and it's very disheartening uh, because now is the time, like you guys, where you have to take that stand.
4: I was gonna say, if you like, look at the language "pro life." That term will just encompass anything. Like Hillary Clinton's pro life, you know. I mean, <laughs> you know, people who are pro choice and don't want abortion to be abolished are doing it for the life of the mother. So it's just about. It's yeah. just a really loose term. It can mean anything. And oftentimes, whenever some abolitionist comes along, and like when someone says, what do you think about abortion? It should be abolished.
5: It's murdered. Yeah. That's the, the, the exact reason you're talking about is why Abby Johnson opposed the abolition of abortion in Texas. She said that they're going to take away their funding uh, mm-hmm. for social programs and things like that. Um, that's not very pro-life. That was her response.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I done with that. Yeah. Awesome. So and guys also,
4: are- a lot of the pro-lifers are actually anti-capital punishment which is
0: uh, I've noticed that another, too. Which
4: yeah. they're, an, they're anti-justice across the board, anti-capital punishment.
0: So guys, as we finish up here too, why don't you just throw out very quickly about the liberator podcast, tell people where they can listen to that at and a little bit about what that's about.
5: Yeah. So Facebook and YouTube, we're free the States. And then on all of the podcast apps, we're going to be the liberator podcast. Yeah. And if you
4: go to free the States.org, there's a contact, there's like a sign up for our, all our letters. We don't send out tons of letters saying, send us money, send us money. You know, we're not going to be doing that all the time, but we do update people about the things that we're doing, but we'll also update people about different abolition bills that are going forward in different states, different rallies, different campaigns. Just as the abolition movement continues to grow, it's just important to network everybody together and keep everybody informed. So sign up there if
0: if you like snail mail. Awesome. Email. Jason, you got anything else for the guys? No, you guys,
1: thank you so much for having this uh, extremely important conversation with us. We uh, we had a great time with you guys. Thank you so much for your work.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And guys, thank we'll make sure us. for all you listeners, we'll make sure we link up to each of the links that they mentioned here on the episode. We'll make sure you can get to those. As always, we do appreciate you reaching out to us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all the places where you comment for us. And listen, we we love bringing glory to God through, uh, you know, having guests on like this. So James, Sam, T. Russell, Hunter, we appreciate you guys so much for taking time out, explaining that to us, getting to discuss this. And uh, we we really love you, brothers in the Lord, and we wish you the best. Uh, Jason? Later, dude. All right. God bless, guys. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips, or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. None you.